Well, I'm really excited about having Brad come out again this year. You know, last year he did phenomenal. And uh, I've we've heard him preach out at Pleasant Hill. And I'll tell you what, have you noticed that every preacher preaches differently? They have a different style. And, uh, you know, God created us that way. You know, if everybody was a cookie cutter preacher, and sadly I've noticed that some people idolize certain preachers and then they try to emulate them almost almost to the T. You know, I know one younger preacher that looks up to a particular preacher and that preacher is always going <clears throat> and before he says something. <clears throat> and that young guy does the same exact thing. <clears throat> it's like, you know what? We don't need that. What we want is men who will study the Word of God and step up and deliver it as it needs to be delivered by them. Because, you know, some people don't get it when I say stuff. They go, oh, Bill. Okay? And I'm sure people are the same way with, with Brian. Oh, that's Brian. You know? And so, But when Eric steps up and preaches, Eric has an amazing way of putting stuff. It's just awesome. And Brad is the same way. Brad is awesome in how he draws you in and draws you in and you're bobbing your head and all of a sudden you realize, uh-oh. <laughs> I love the way Brad does that. It's awesome. And so uh, I really am excited to hear Brad uh, speak tonight. I've given him a pretty tough topic and uh, it has to do with, with our constancy because we are in Christ and Christ is in us and there's power there. And so uh, I'm excited for what he has to share tonight. So listen carefully and uh, wait to uh, for the punchline. Okay. You want me to fire this up? I, I don't need it. Okay. All right. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. Only Bill can ask me right when I get here, hey, do you mind giving your talk today instead of tomorrow? <laughs> to test all my Toastmaster skills right now. So it's awesome. we're, uh, <laughs> we we're going to... We're going we're gonna to go for this. I thought I had a few more hours, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I put this sermon together for me. I'm, I'm, I, I wish I would have made it for you, but yeah, I need to hear this today. And so uh, what's the best way to do that as to help teach others and then me later listen to it and be like, hey, yeah, I really needed that. So... Um, I think it's fitting that we're standing outdoors. So I'm just going to ask about GPS. How many of you use your GPS when you're in the woods or you're driving your car? How many of you rely on it? How many of you remember life before GPS? <laughs> Would you have randomly walked through the woods the way you do today with your GPS? You mean without your GPS? Yeah, without it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I would. Till I met Bill, and we walked five miles one way, hired, and then we had to walk five miles back. <laughs> Uphill back. We were downhill the whole time, the first five miles. And you're like, you're feeling good. And then the next five miles was like, oh, we got to walk back up that? So the next time we go out, we had a plan. Hey. 
We could just go down this canyon and then up the other side, and there's a road right over there. We can see it on the map. We put our little pin on the other side. And we did this controlled fall, I think, like down this canyon, just like till we got to the river. Mean, there's no turning back at that point, right? I mean, you're either straight up or you go back the other way. Can I interrupt you just a second? Yeah. That was two days before that big, gigantic monster buck that is now historically pictured everywhere right up here <laughs> and we saw the monster tracks and we knew he was in there yeah. we should have got him just yeah okay we should we could have we should have we should have uh but i the thing that i remember most about that trip is we were we, when you're looking across and you see the road you don't see all the difficulty that is about to come <laughs> in the bottom of that ravine and Bill's just powering through, moving bushes and breaking branches, and we're just foot by foot up the other side. This is not the physique of someone that does that. So I was pretty tired when we hit the road on the other side, thinking, we got to go back. And Bill's talking about how we're going to hike this road down. I think it was probably, what, another two, three miles down this road? Seven, actually, but we didn't go. We didn't go seven. We wouldn't have made seven, <laughs> telling you that. Um, and I'm going to get to the point about how this ties into my sermon in just a minute. Later, while putting this together, I thought about, like, what are the types of people that use their GPS? There's that person that trusts it, that just goes off the canyon, going through the trees, moving things out of the way, just not knowing. Because you're in the middle of this. You can't even see the road up there. You're just like, yep, I'm on this line. Like, that dot's right there. I'm just going to walk towards it. Eventually, I'm going to get it. There's that person. Then there's the person that the GPS in their car is telling them which way to go, but you know a better way. So you don't, you don't listen to that. My son and I, we were headed to Hillsboro the other day. And our GPS has us in the middle of the country, like around branches, like farms. And like, where are we? <laughs> like, this is not the way to Hillsboro. I've been there. This is not the way, right? Like the whole time, was, this, we're not going to get there. And we went through neighborhoods over ridges. And somehow we dropped down into Hillsboro. But on the way back, I knew a better way. That way was terrible. Traffic was bad. The windy road in the mountain and every, like The GPS knew what it was doing. I didn't. But I thought I did. We had a longer trip home. Yeah. And then there's those that just don't use their GPS. You know guys that don't ask for directions? Yeah. <laughs> So that gets to me to my first point. Jesus is our guiding light. He's the X on the map that we're walking towards. Go to John 12, chapter, or chapter 12, verse 44. 
Some of you that heard uh, Bill preach the other day about Jesus being steady and constant. This is going to be pretty familiar. Um, let's pick it up in 42, not 44. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. So when we believe in Jesus, we believe in God. Mm-hmm. So it, Jesus is the X on our map, but ultimately we're looking for heaven. That's where we're headed. I'm going to jump back over to my notes because I have another verse. First uh, John uh, chapter 5, verse 10. The one, be- nah. the one who believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. The one who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concern to his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So when I've, my, my topic today is consistency. The consistency of Christ within us. And I started out with talking about GPS because I couldn't think of anything that was that, that could relate well to something that we just follow blindly. And sometimes I do follow my GPS blindly and sometimes I don't. And I think that right now in my personal life, in my journey to study the scriptures is I find that true. Some days I get it and I'm encouraged and I read the word and I can, I can follow it and I can show up and I could be the light to the people at work and the people at home. And then other days when life feels like it's crushing me, it's harder when the irritations come and the patience aren't, isn't there. And someone at work kind of their behavior affected my behavior or I had a bad conversation with my boss or whatever the circumstances are, that's when it's hard to see the light of Christ in me. And that could be your experience, too. So if we're looking at the definition of consistency... And I think this fits well with what Kurt was talking about earlier, because the definition of consistency is steadfast adherence to the same principles, course, or form. As I was reading the scriptures to prepare for this sermon, every story of Jesus in the Bible, he's consistent. He's consistent in his behavior. He's consistent in his approach. He's consistent in his response, his compassion, his kindness, his gentleness, his humility, his love, his forgiveness. All of those things he's consistent with. And I'm going to point out here in just a little bit of my second point of all of those things. And we're going to have some conversation around what those look like. 
But something Kurt said, um, I took note of. He talked about that we are the light of the world, and Kurt, in his sermons, are showing what being the light of the world looks like. Mm-hmm. And so, in the in the next point, we're gonna t- we're gonna walk through each one of those characters of Christ, and I don't sure who preached earlier about character have we already had a sermon about character so i'm sure we're gonna we're gonna find that it's it's gonna be pretty consistent we're gonna look at the behavior of christ and so we can see that christ in us is we can kind of tap into those behaviors and really understand how we even when life is crushing us can be like Christ, can be the light of the world. Mm-hmm. That is my second point. The character qualities of Christ guide our behavior. So if we go to Colossians 3, verse 12 through 15. think it's an interesting time to have a sermon in the dark because I can kind of barely see all of you and Keith can't take my picture (laughs) oh all right so Colossians 3 12 through 15 so as those who have been chosen of God holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the Lord forgave you so also should you beyond all these things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity how many character personal characters does do those verses highlight? <laughs> it was a question. How many characters, how many character, like how much, how many things, how many character qualities does that list in a number? In those, in those verses. Which verses? 12 through 14. close i count seven compassion kindness humility gentleness patience forgiveness and love are those quality like when you when you read the bible the gospel when you are listening to jesus talk do you see those in in him and in, in how he responds to others, how he shows up. So I'm going to start with compassion. When we talk about compassion to you, and this is a question for you, I am expecting an answer. What does compassion look like? When you go and you see compassion, just describe to me something that you see when you see compassion. 
selflessness? Empathy? Sorry? Honest, Honest caring? Mm-hmm. What would somebody be doing? Like, like a scene, like, what, what behavior would they do to show that they're a compassionate person? Like, that they're... The, the I went on a ride along with a deputy here, not, but maybe two or three weeks ago. And he was driving down the road, and there was obviously something, commotion going on down the road, so he pulls over, and this guy is walking back to the truck, shaking his head, it's choked up, this other guy's crying. And then across the road, there's another guy just bent over, dead dog. This guy that was crying going back to his truck was the guy that hit the dog. And this guy had had the dog pinned up, but he had some people working at his house, and they opened the gate, and the dog went out and got killed. And so that deputy went over and sat down and put his arm around that guy and was talking to him. I mean, it was like, wow, that was blowing me away. Because that's not how I perceive law enforcement guys. What's wrong here? Who did it? That kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But no, man. He just told the guy, okay, we got it. And he went over and he was just really gentle. And it was amazing. I got a picture of it. I was so like, wow. It was pretty cool. As as men, do we normally get the, the rap, I guess, of being compassionate? Like, aren't we, when we grow up, aren't we supposed to be like this hardened, no emotion, stoic <laughs> being? Right? Yeah, compassion's hard. Because we have to really put ourselves in the position of the other person. That's called empathy. And feel what they're feeling. We didn't go through what they felt, but we're feeling what they're feeling. And then we're behaving in a way. John 11. Sorry. I might have this wrong. I have too many numbers in my chapter and verse. So we're going to try John 11. (laughs) It might be John 2, but hold on. Verse, let's try 16. It might be 216, but let's let's try. Verse 16. Ah, oh, I think it's it's 2. Sorry, John 2, 16. Uh-oh. I might have wrote down the wrong verse. What was the verse you're trying to remember? I can't remember off the top of my head. So I didn't write that next to my notes because I was going to go and read the verse and then it was going to remind me. So let's not use that one. Let's use Matthew 9. See, I was going to have a backup verse. That's Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38.
Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. I just, when I read that, I asked myself, like, okay, he saw somebody sick. Eh. Hope you feel better. But he must have felt something, like, that empathy, that just seeing the suffering that that person was going through and decided and, and healed them. I just couldn't see it. Like, I'm going to show them. I'm going to heal them. That'd be self-serving. That wouldn't. That wasn't to make himself look good. He must have felt what they felt mm-hmm. of why he healed them, and it says he felt compassion for them. But it's hard. Like when I read and and they say the word, felt compassion. Like that whole scenario right there feels kind of flat when you read it, unless you can put yourself in Jesus's position and really feel what he felt. Just like put yourself at that time period in the synagogue with these folks that are suffering. That he must have just overwhelmingly felt the need to to heal them. This is by far the next one's by far my my this is the one I need the most help in. Patience. What does that look like? Like when you see someone with an incredible amount of patience. Long suffering. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Self-control. Developed. It doesn't. Yep. I have a lot of examples of not being patient. We sat in a line of probably a hundred cars driving down Highway 99 tonight with two pieces of farm equipment driving like five miles an hour for 20 miles. Kind of frustrated and annoyed. Maybe got a little angry. (laughs) But it's interesting I think about like that moment in time for that period of time. Like it, it affected my behavior so much. Like my, 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 I was happy before. And it just like, it took all that away. It just took it. It was my choice. I gave it. I could have I just been patient. I struggle with this one because I don't have a lot of examples. But the interesting thing is, is when when I read in John, and I didn't write it down, but I remember reading John, studying for this, and over and over and over, Jesus was teaching. And he would teach something, truly, truly, I say to you, and then he would he would teach it. And then even his disciple, like even the disciples would would question his teaching. And then truly, truly, I say to you, and he would teach some more. And they would question his teaching again. Someone else. 
And his enemies would question his teaching. And he would just truly, truly, I say to you. And he would just over and over and over, chapter after chapter after chapter. And then in a little while, I was like, man, that's a great example of patience. Like, wouldn't that really get annoying? Like, I'm trying to give you, like, get you to salvation. And you're not listening. But it's just calm. And truly, truly, I say to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, just over and over and over. And like when you're reading it, you're like, come on, get it, folks. Like, but we see how it all happened. But again, go back to that empathy. Put yourself in that time frame and think about like what those folks were thinking whenever they were hearing this vastly different teaching than they've ever heard before in, in any time in history. They might have been a bit skeptical, I would think. Right, And it was just that steady, consistent showing up and teaching whether people were throwing rocks or he wasn't supposed to go there because they would stone him to death or beat him up or whatever. Like he, like he would go and he would teach and he would show that he, he would show his patience. How about gentleness? What does gentleness look like? Seems hard too. We're not like we're not like when I grew up, my brother and I, we were all like wrestle and fight and like I would punch him and then I'd go run and lock myself in the bathroom and he'd try to like tear it all apart to get in and like that's not gentleness. At all. At all. Sometimes I struggle with this one too, because just life, right? You just kind of get that hardened, stoic way you show up. It's kind of like that officer, I think. Anyone else have an example of just a good example of someone being gentle? Scripture, but I think we can visualize it pretty well. It says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. So you can rip somebody's head off and you can win an argument and grind them into the dirt, but that's not gentle. So mm-hmm. it's that being very thoughtful and mindful of how you share your countenance, uh, your presentation the wording that you use because you know words can inflame yeah. or words can draw people in so it's, it's it's very difficult but that's something that over the years I've learned how to do for those who have known me for a long time that was not my MO yep. but it is now because I want to win as many as possible in a short period of time in my life so just being really careful with your words and being very thoughtful about what's best going to cause them to respond correctly, even when they're in your face, Yep. you know? I remember when I was at, I, I worked in child welfare, and I knocked on a gentleman's door to, to, to talk to their family about a call of concern. And he was a scary guy. In your face, like, screaming and, like, spitting and, like, like all of that. Um, every time I talked to him, it was always a just like 
he would come in at 11 and I tried to just be calm and patient and just talk to him about like, we're not, we're not here to, I'm here to help really. I just really want to understand what's going on. And by the end of it, he would call me and he'd be like, I really need to talk to you about this thing. And I would go over and I'm still on his couch and we would talk to him. He was still a hard guy, like hard guy. But I think I might be like the only person that that guy's ever sat down with and really been like, listen, this is really messed up. And, and I do need to do something. How do I get that help? And it took two months of just showing up and being there and not reacting to his reaction mm-hmm. and being that consistent voice of, I really do want to help you. You just got to let me help. I just got to be able to help. I can't help you unless you talk about it. How about kindness? I am going slow through these for a reason. I really want to just think about each one so we can just kind of get that picture of what kindness is and all the other ones. What does it mean to be kind? What is the behavior of kindness? Sorry? Meeting a need? Putting others' needs before your own? Going out of your way to fulfill someone's needs? Helping when they need help. Helping when they need help? Sacrifice? Can kindness be kind of rough? When I was younger, I had an interview once, and I flew all the way to L.A. to go to go meet with this company to interview for this job, and I thought I had it. Like, I was the guy for this job. And after the interview, my ego was crushed because I didn't even leave the guy's office. And he's like, thank you for interviewing. Can I just can I give you some feedback? And I was just like, yeah, come on, tell me how well I did. You want to know when someone says, can I give you some feedback, that that is not to tell you how well you did? Um, But he did it in a way that was kind. He just, why? He said, you didn't get the job. And I was shocked. I was like, okay, well, can I ask why? And he's like, yeah, you're really book smart, but you don't have enough experience. Like, well, what do I need experience in? I got all this. Ex- like, I told you all my experience. He's like, no, you didn't. You told me all about the things you knew. But you didn't to- tell me about how those things apply to the job that you were going to do and why you would be the best person for the job. And then he said, I see potential in you. I'd really like to help you out. And he gave me his card and his number, and we talked a few times. I mean, L.A., Oregon, it was kind of a thing. I was young and arrogant. Really wish I would have kept in contact with that guy. <laughs> but when I look back now, older, hopefully a little bit wiser, I can see like, wow, that guy was like, that was a great moment in my life. He was really kind, but it was hard to hear those words. It's hard to hear those words. 
Man, that was a good that was a good example of the next one, humility, the lack thereof. But what does it mean to be humble? Like when I go like going through life as a humble person. submissive role rather than dominant role and realizing you're not I'm sorry I'm catching this on the, the recorder so realizing you're not the smartest person in the room others needs before your own like when you see a humble person like what are they like what's something that they do I mean we've talked a little bit about it but I'm really talking about in an interaction with somebody else, like, what does that look like? They don't boast? Yeah. They're working. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, uh, I work in government, sorry, um, but in that, there's a lot of strong personalities. There's a lot of strong leaders that want to be right, and there's not a lot of leaders that sit in the room and just listen. Like People are allowed to be frustrated, and we should talk to them and be like, hey, what are the things in your job that are really hard? And listen to those things, or go to a meeting and not start with, hey, we have a decision to make and this is my recommendation. But say, hey, this is a decision that we need to make. Talk to me about what your thoughts around this are. And then stop talking and let others come up with the idea. It doesn't have to be yours. That doesn't happen where I work. The last two I have some really good examples for. Forgiveness and love. So if we go to Luke Starting in verse 33. When they came to the palace called the Skull, there they crucified him, Jesus, the criminal and the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do they are doing. And and they, the crowd, cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by, looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, they let him save him, oh, I'm sorry, He saved others, let him save himself, 
if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of Jews, save yourself. Now there was also one inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of command, I'm sorry, condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you are, when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Not only did he forgive those that were that crucifying him, he also saw that in that prisoner and went to, and I'll meet you in paradise. Forgive me. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Could you hang on a cross and still forgive someone? I don't know if I could. I'd be, I'd be really angry at those folks. So, in our life, today, in the world, like, this is the ultimate, like, to me, this is the ultimate forgiveness. Like, you're killing me, but I still forgive you. But when we're, but when we're at work, right, and that person's, like, really being a turkey, and we can't do anything about it, what does forgiveness look like in our own lives? Why, why do we forgive? Forgiveness is hard. I, I mean, I I look back at some things like childhood, middle school. Like, I still have some kid that punched me in the face when I was in junior high. I really don't like that guy. But I can forgive him to let to let it go out of me. Absolutely. Can you say it a little louder? Uh, I have a friend that's really flaky with me when we make plans and things like that, but I love him and I really care about him and I want to maintain that friendship. If I don't forgive him for his flakiness, I don't have that friendship anymore. Forgiveness is really hard. It takes a really long time, I think, to understand why we forgive and how. And I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to the fake one of these 
in just a minute. So the last one is love. And I think when, when, when we look at love, I'm going to read the last part, just kind of finish out the crucifixion. But in my mind, the ultimate sacrifice of love is Jesus dying for all of our sins, bearing our sins in his body to save us all for eternal life. Can't top it. It's pinnacle, right? Like, that is love. When I look out into the world, I think, what is love? That is the ultimate sacrifice. And to me, sacrifice is love. Like, I sacrifice for my family. And I don't mean, like, like in a, in a bad way. Like, I sacrifice for my family, right? No, it's... Melinda's not feeling well. I've had a long day at work. I'm still going to go to the store and get the headache medication or the thing that's going to help her feel better, right? Dishes, the dishes are stacking in the sink. I could get angry at it or I could just do it. Because I I love my family. Jesus loved us, right? Sacrifice is is how we show our love. So uh, same chat, or same Luke 23, we're going to do 44, uh, I believe, through 49. It was now about the sixth hour, and, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I could put my spirit. Having said that, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. He was innocent, and he died on the cross for our sins. That's love. So we have examples of this, these character qualities that we want to possess in our life. My third point is faking it until you make it doesn't work. What does fake compassion look like? It looks like manipulation. Yeah, strings attached. <laughs> I don't think that was compassion, no. What's fake patience look like? Yeah, passive aggressive. That was a good one. I didn't think of that. That's great. Yeah, that's like, how is that even possible? <laughs> right? No, I mean, you're... I'm sitting behind the person, like, they're driving 43 and a 55, and I'm patient, I'm patient, I'm patient, and I'm still getting mad. That's not patience. I tell that story because that is, that is me. I think fake gentleness, fake kindness, fake humility, all of those things are just manipulation, right? I'm trying to get something for me. I don't really care about you. I gotta get, I gotta, I'm doing this to eventually get something from you. Fake love is cruel. I think that's more, that's lust. It's not, it's not love. 
fake forgiveness, that's kind of cruel too. But you, you can't fake the queer character qualities of Jesus and get to heaven. Like, it's not a thing. You can't do it. You know, the interesting thing is, is, is my daughter Nicole yesterday asked me a question when I was kind of walking through this with her. And she's like, but when you believe it, like you believe you're a patient person or a kind person or that you have humility or you're gentle. Like, but how do you do those things when you're exhausted? I think that's the measurement of belief. The measurement of belief that I and and that that I can show that I have patience is when I can do that when I am exhausted. If I can't do it when the world is crushing me, if I can't be like Paul in the prison and rejoice under my suffering, do I really believe that I'm a patient person? If I snap at somebody when I'm when I'm frustrated or angry or or I have a short deadline at work, do I really believe that I'm a kind person? Can I say I am kind, but I snapped at that person at work because they didn't fit inside my box. They didn't do it the way I wanted them to do it. Sorry, I'm not a kind person when I do that. Yeah. Because I snapped at you earlier. You can hold a phone for me. I really wish you What do we call what do we call that? There's there's something in the Bible that says when we do that, when we change our mind about something. Is it the repentance process potentially? Right? I recognize that I did a, a poor behavior. I corrected it in my mind. And then I went to that other person. This is the key. Like, this one's the hard one. So hard. I, I, I stumbled and I'm sorry. Could you forgive me? People don't do that in this world. I'll tell you when I go and I'm like, you know, I had a bonehead thing yesterday. Group, team. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just no one does it. It's not a, you just don't see it today. It's hard to be that vulnerable because everyone wants to be right and look good, and we really don't fit that model when we say we messed up. And if we stick into that thing that like I am a kind person, faking it. If we can't realize that we did it wrong, and that we need to adjust, that we need to do something different. I really think belief in these seven characteristics, owning them, reading and studying the Word of God consistently, read the Bible, not the, what are the comments of the commentary? Yeah. This is the commentary. Don't read the commentary, read the scripture. 
and study these seven characteristics of Christ and then put those things in to practice every day and you will show the world Christ in you. Going all the way back to the beginning. That's how we get to the X on our GPS. The Jesus X on our GPS, right? Is these seven things. If we can do these seven things consistently, we will show the world Christ in us. I have one last verse or chapter and verse. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Just have to find it. <laughs> oh, there we go. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus and practice those seven characteristics consistently to show the world how to get to Christ in heaven. Thank you. So I, I think you hit it right on the head when you said it's it comes down to belief. I had an old preacher once say, it's not that we are going to get better if we work harder. We'll just get more frustrated. But we need to believe better meaning we need to really recognize that as we look to Jesus and see how he does it and then we apply that there's this there's this move to that that GPS of who Jesus is you can't change our behavior and expect to change long term mm -hmm. we'll always change for a while and come back because we haven't changed the belief in our mind we haven't changed that i am whatever that is i am kind i am patient I am forgiving. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, tomorrow we have our last speaker, Matt Keichel. I'm pretty excited about that. We're going to start at 830 tomorrow, giving extra half an hour to kind of get things put together. And then uh, right after Matt's done, we'll head home. Matt's going to do a great lesson on, on Abraham, the father of the faithful. Of course, that's who we are. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, we need to recognize and understand, as we talked about earlier, and Matt was kind of the catalyst for what I shared right before uh, we started this, this morning, is that we need to recognize, brethren, that the world is not in a good place. And we're not talking the United States. We're talking the world is not in a good place. And so, and even Eric just recently was saying, you know, you're, you're going to go to Belarus and you do realize you know, Russia controls Belarus now, and those guys don't like you, and they can do some pretty heinous things. Yeah, that's pretty heavy on my head, but the reality is is that if we don't go back in there, and the, the saints are left isolated, 
that there's going to be a lot of devastation. We want to continue the, to the gospel to move forward. It's not the same world, but we need to stay steadfast as was uh, spoken of earlier. Brethren, this men's camp really is foundational for us to continue to move forward in the face of what's coming. Now, I, no one knows the day or the hour, but Jesus said you can know the season. Well, it's out of season for the word. It seems to be in season for wickedness and vileness and uh, violence. And so we need to step up our game. And we do really need to become Christ-embodied, manifested in us. So really appreciate that very much. So we will see you tomorrow morning at 8.30. Thank you very much. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord God, we just praise you and thank you for the blessing of being able to come up and get away from the craziness in the world. And Lord God, I was just pressing the metal, try to get up here early, and it just wasn't happening because of all the commitments. I know so many of the others uh, who have come up had those same challenges. Uh, Lord God, help us to continue to make sure that we are investing ourselves in a very careful and thoughtful study of your word to grow our faith our understanding, our character uh, in your Son, Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, the world depends upon the church stepping up and being that light. As it says in the book of Isaiah in the last couple chapters, the wealth of nations will come, be, come pouring into the kingdom at the very end, not speaking of money, but rather people. And so, Father, as we see people recognizing the hopelessness of this world there is such a great need uh, for men who are steadfast and immovable in their convictions based upon the scriptures and i pray that you would help us to be those men of character those men of of competence and using our gifts talents and abilities and consistently doing that with as brad was saying uh, not fake but rather the genuine uh, love and character of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.